In this podcast, we about the draw against Coventry, the playoffs, they're happening, and answer your podcast questions. This is the Borough Breakdown podcast, and this is why Borough must stay chatter in a pod. Support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Ravanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Ravanelli spots out. Hello and welcome to the Bora Breakdown podcast with Johnny, Dana and not Tom. We've hid him somewhere where only you, the listener, can find him. Let us know <laughs> in the comments below where you will know he will be. Where's Wally, uh, but where's Tom? But where is he? He is somewhere, somewhere in the multiverse. Um, he was here yesterday, but we had a lot of tech issues and we are having to re-record, which is great. Um, but let's chat about Middlesbrough because we drew 1-1 yesterday at the Riverside Stadium, confirming our playoffs, which we did a few weeks ago. And we are now playing Coventry another two times, uh, which is exciting. And also Sunland, God help us all, uh, in the playoffs as well. Um, but I think we will beat them. Yes, I did say that. Um, but anyway, Dana the the season, well... The 46 game season is now finished. Um, and I want to know how you're feeling in 46 words. I'm joking. Uh, how are you feeling in three <laughs> words? Um, how are you feeling about the 46 game season in three words? I'm going to say appreciative of the turnaround, of appreciative of turnaround, because I remember when I went to the CBS earlier this season and where I played Coventry and we looked a million miles away from being a playoff standard team. And I looked at the stats at, at that point we were 11 games in third bottom 10 points accumulated it was our worst start to a season since 1985-86 and I really want the listeners to think back to that time maybe even pause this podcast for a second and really try to remember how they were feeling at that point because I could guarantee it wasn't positive because it wasn't positive for me I mean I looked back and listened back to a few of our podcast episodes and there were buzzwords like hollow, empty, disconnected, there was apathy was the title of one of our episodes. And sometimes I feel like I'm maybe I lean into the overly emotional side, you know, the double water sign in me, but I don't think that I was really too overly emotional at that point because it was just how I was feeling. And it was, I guess, the general consensus amongst the fan base is that Borough weren't really going anywhere. And I know we were in the bottom three. I was never resigned to any potential of Borough getting relegated but I certainly did not think that we'd be in this position that we are in now the fact that we've got an additional two games on top of the 46 games that we've watched this season I would have never thought that back then so I've seen a few people maybe panicking being a bit negative being a bit critical after the past couple of weeks but just think back to that reverse fixture against Coventry the trajectory that both sides have been on is testament to both managers and Michael Carrick and Cole, Aaron Danks and Jonathan Woodgate as well. Just hats off to them because I never thought that we'd be in the playoff picture back in October. So it's just been a really fantastic season and I'm so happy, so appreciative, so grateful and so excited for the playoffs. Yeah, and we've both went pretty sizzler uh, over the second half of the season and it's been a really good exciting season uh, probably across this league and I was saying today uh, that I think every division this year 
in English football has had a lot of excitement, which is unheard of. Really, it hasn't really been a boring league, which is uh, which is great. Mm. Um, and I think my three words would be excited for playoffs. And when I know we said playoffs could be a one or two words, but I was coming it as one, <laughs> and you can't do anything about it. And you know, we're excited. I think we we can hopefully get something. Uh, good against uh, against them next week uh, at the at the Rico Arena. I'm going to call it the Rico Arena. It's the Rico <laughs> Arena, um, and hopefully we can take some of the Riverside and get something and go to Wembley Way, uh, which would be fantastic for us and the town. Hopefully we can, you never know, be in the Premier League again next season. But let's talk about the Coventry game of well, part one of three um, <laughs> for, for this season uh, in the space of a couple of weeks. But Hamer obviously give them the lead from a mistake from uh, from Smith and then they went on the counter and he got he had a lovely strike in the bottom corner. And um, But we got an equaliser from Cameron Archer. And, you know, we were pretty much like that Simpsons meme in the second half, a little bit of the video where it brings soccer to Springfield and it's a faster <laughs> yes. centre and teams didn't really <laughs> want to... Mean engage too much uh you know both injuries and also both are very happy with the result and that's cool um but Dana, what's your overall assessment of the game because i thought it was a little bit interesting yeah i mean i quite liked their setup in the first half from just a tactical perspective i thought it worked really well for for them even despite the goal that we scored just before half time they were overloading the wide areas, particularly that right-hand side of ours, which seemed to be an area for them to target during that game. Whenever we were in possession on that flank, they were trying to negate what Borough tend to enjoy, that numerical advantage. And I think that's why we became a little bit sloppy when trying to transition. Borough do enjoy play when they have that numerical advantage in certain areas. So when we don't have that and and the opponent tries to negate that by crowding us out, I think it reduces our threat in those areas because it forces us to make quick decisions. And Borough are usually really good at making those quick decisions anyway when a team tries to push a lot of their players into those right side or the right-hand half space as well. But we just needed to switch it a lot quicker than we did because I think one of the negatives or one of the potential negatives of playing and setting up the way that Coventry did and trying to overload one flank is that the other flank will quite naturally be exposed. And I saw Ryan Giles in so much space out that first half. That big switch, that big diagonal was available, but Borough were being nullified and being choked by Coventry, such was their really aggressive press in the game. And we didn't distribute it enough to effectively create some advantages on that left-hand side, which was being left a little bit exposed. And I think Coventry saw the benefits in the first half of matching a wing-back system up to a 4-2-3-1 because due to the wing-back the wide centre-half, the wide central midfielder, and even probably the middle centre-half as well, which in this case was Kyle McFadgeen, they can initiate those overloads defensively. And there were a few cases I saw watching the game back where Borough were forced back. They were forced back to recycle the ball because Coventry were not letting us in those areas that we are usually good in. And I will say, and I'll reiterate, Borough are usually good even when they're being pressed. And we saw a few instances in the first half of us playing out from the back and getting through that press, and it was really good. But it was 
a bit sticky in that first half. What I mentioned there about switching the ball, we did that in the second. Paddy McNair was launching some diagonals. It stretched the game and that's what we needed to do in the first half that we didn't. So it was a better performance from us in that second half versus the first, but we just didn't really have so much of a threat. It was all in and around the edge of the box rather than in it. And I can't remember too many opportunities in that second half. There was a Riley McGree shot that it looked like it was going to catch Ben Wilson out for a second and it didn't. But I feel like both sides were just happy and content playing the game as it was in the second half. So it turned into a little bit of a handshake occasion in that second <laughs> 45. Yeah, it really did, didn't it? Um, but I think it was. I think when both teams are satisfied with with a result, they know they're probably going to play each other again uh, in a, in a few days' time. No one wants the injury, and I think that played a part in a lot of the decision making within the game. I thought a lot of there was a lot of safe passes from both sides, and you know there was a, a, there was a reluctance to make a mistake. Obviously, we we, we did make one, and, and they went on and scored. But uh, for me, when I was looking at Coventry, and from exactly what you were saying, uh, they're around, um, they want to try and pl- uh, press in certain areas of the pitch. It, it kind of reminded me a little bit of like that Red Bull style, a little bit where they're trying to win it in a counter-press in the central area, and then they'll, they'll get you on the counter-attack because they've got that advantage of, uh, of, of players, and they'll go on and score. And I think like you can see it in the average positions, and I've got a... Uh, I've got like an idea of how they wanted to play uh, in that. And, you know, Kelly Hamer and Eccles were, you know, you've got that three midfield, so you've got that advantage there. But if you look at um, Coventry in general, they've got eight players in central areas where Middlesbrough, you know, they're quite similar. We did try and match them. I think we've got seven uh, in there. Uh, But they are trying to get Millsborough to play in that central area, you've already got the advantage there. So you'll turn over and you'll get a counter-attack. So what Bora did probably wrong with with Smith was we try to play in the central area about three times. We tried it the same exact pass. Not You maybe just turn around and go backwards. It was, <laughs> let's keep trying to play this same pass. Got caught out when you've got that advantage in that central area like they did. They were able to counter very well. And that's how they get the goals. And that is how a lot of counter-pressing teams tend to score the goals on the counter. Like They will get it in that central area, play a vertical ball through and they will go on to score. And also what was interesting as well with the advantage or with the, the three midfield and the two up top, they were always trying to get man for man. And Jokerez, every time he's trying to pull the defender away, trying to create that space, trying to get that midfield to come through. Really interesting stuff. And it's always, it's an advantage and a disadvantage because it leaves space, you know, in different areas of the pitch. Like when Middlesbrough were on a goal kick, you know, we were able to play out quite comfortably. You know, Stefan was able to to bring the ball out in like the central area and just maybe have a little dink or a little pass through a moat, which was always in that like quarterback space and we're able to play out. It was comfortable. And that is just like a bonus and a bonus and a pro of how we were setting up and a negative on how they were setting up. So, it's interesting at times, I think, although football can be a very simple game, I think the more that data and analysis and videos come into it, it's just becoming more advanced and there's different styles, methodologies, and there's no right or wrong way to play football, which is why they're, you know, they which are different to us, their counter-pressing side, we're more probably possession-based with a bit of flavour of counter-pressing us as well. So mm. it's, it's it's all it's all interesting stuff, Dana. It's all interesting it stuff. Um but obviously, Coventry's high press in the first half. Do you think we can ensure that we don't come undone again by it? Maybe in the, in the playoff in the playoff matches. How would you think we could do that? 
I think we need to look after the ball better. There were a few, and the, probably within, I'd say, the first two minutes, we conceded an attack, and Stefan was forced into a very, very good save, actually. He got a really strong right hand to Gus mm. Hammer's shot. I'm absolutely butchering the pronunciations of these Coventry players' names. Yeah. Gus Hamer's shot. Yeah, sorry, I think I was th- thinking about ham sandwich there. But he was able, <laughs> he was able to they, they do them. look alike, you know. I, when, I, when I see Gus Hamer here, I just think, wow, you look like a ham sandwich. <laughs> oh, dear me. You know when you say these names in your head, but when you actually verbalise them, it's just completely different. That was me right there. But yeah. Stefan was forced to a really strong save in the opening two minutes of the game, I'd say. And it came because of Ryan Giles giving the ball away. And it has been a theme of Borough's trending weaknesses this season that we give the ball away, we concede attacks. And it come and a lot of the goals that we've conceded have come through those cases. That's one of the things that I think Borough need to improve in the playoff games. We were guilty of giving the ball away quite a lot. I will say as well, Coventry forces into those mistakes due to their high press and a very aggressive press. They were very much in our faces. But then also that big switch is a really good way to negate a really high pressing team because you can just stretch them. And that is the way to alleviate a little bit of that pressure. But I suppose when you are getting suffocated as a team and they are right on you as soon as you receive the ball, sometimes it is just difficult to distribute it. But I thought our passing was a bit off in that first half and we gained a little bit more control due to our ability to look after the ball a lot better in the second. So I think switching the ball is really important against a high-pressing team and also making sure that our passing and our pass selection is spot on because they will pick you off. And Coventry are a very, very good side in counter-attacking. We were speaking off air and I was wondering if Coventry were quite high up in the league in terms of goal scored from counter-attacks. They're actually below us. We are top for counter-attacking goal scored on 10. They're below us on nine. And you could tell, you could tell because they looked really quick, really incisive and really, really well drilled on the counter-attack. So they have the ability to pick teams off as do we. So, that game at the CBS on Sunday is going to be very, very interesting. Mm. And like, what can we take from like yesterday's game? I think it's a case of we were feeling each other out, but I would not be surprised. And the one thing I'm going to probably take away from it is I would not be surprised if Bora played pretty long for the first 15, 20 minutes against Coventry. And the reason why I say it is atmosphere is pretty tense. They want to be up for it, just alleviates pressure quite quickly. And for me, I don't think they're amazingly comfortable with the ball. I think their game is probably more dictated around counter-pressing and in itself um, and trying to beat Borough on the counter-attack because we do create a lot of space, you know, going forward and back. And we are able to, we can be transitioned against, uh, like all teams can be. Um, but for me, I think that first 20 minutes, I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't play it short. We just played it long into the channels, try to, you know, try and create um an opportunity from a from a longer goal kick than we would normally when we're trying to control the press and all the way through and obviously statistically you will create a better chance from that but i wouldn't be surprised uh if we seen that early doors and in terms of what else can we take from the game i thought the second half was just a fact uh, a feeling of both sides trying to understand and test a couple of things for the games 
in the the coming weeks. Um, do you think? Sorry, just a just a point. Do you think we missed Johnny Harrison in that game? Because I thought, although Moore has been good, and I thought Hackney was good again uh, yesterday, hmm. but we just seemed to lack a little bit of composure that I think Harrison would have brought us. And Harrison is susceptible to give the ball away, susceptible of getting caught in possession. We've seen that this season, but I just felt like we were missing him yesterday. And just from the eye test. The the midfield looked weird <laughs> without him in it, and it's probably because he's played in a lot, well, pretty much all of our games this season. But yeah, it was just. Uh, do 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 you think we missed Housen yesterday? I would say no, um, mm-hmm. and it's interesting. I think yes to the Mowat stuff because he did get caught, but mm. I thought when we brought brought Balassa on, the control was there. Um, for me, I think if we're if we're on the ball, Balassa is a better footballer in terms of trying to help us probably get up the pitch, but also retain possession of the ball. I think he's very neat, tidy, and also very good at playing the ball forward. So I don't think we missed Housen to some extent, but also I can understand why we would miss him because he it brings in a bit more of aggression to the game and he can guide probably Hackney a little bit better in certain areas where his head's starting to lose it a little bit because he is suspect uh, to that head in Hackney. But did we miss him? I wouldn't say Lord's... I thought if if you're gonna if he's not fit, I would play Balassa there um, in the next game just for more of a control uh, side of things. But yeah, not not but not massively. And let's be honest, like Housen's not going to play next season really in the Premier League. If we were to get there, um, I, I, I could see us definitely replacing him or bringing or bringing the likes of Balassa into that into that role. So we're going to have to play about eventually did we miss him too much not i wouldn't say i wouldn't say it was a huge impactful miss i think it's i think it's natural and and by any fan to say that we miss x y and z when they're not yeah, playing yeah that's true um, that's true it's very it's very <laughs> off the cuff like housing yeah. could have, could have played and he could have he could have been intercepted by someone he could, he could have made a bad mm. pass he might not be in the right area like there's so many if buts and maybes and, and those type of things, and I think it's very. I do think he's, yeah, he's important. Uh, he's definitely important. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, I think he is very important, and hopefully he's back because I know there is a few iffy news on injuries. Everything just seems mm. generally up in the air, and everyone thinks Carrick is playing mind games. So who, honestly, who knows who's injured and who isn't? But hopefully, hopefully, Housen's back for the playoffs. There's a there's a narrative there as well. Think about it. Lucas Metcher, think about it. Oh, yeah. There's a narrative there with Housen and the playoffs and Bora. Yeah, well, I'm not going to say it because I'll jinx it. Um, but in <laughs> terms of more positive news, uh, we scored a set piece, Dana, and oh, what a feeling. Uh, Cameron Archer scoring a screamer. Um, we didn't really score <laughs> a screamer, it was, but it sounded really good um, to say that. Um, I think you could, I think like, it's kind of caught up dance on the ceiling by Lana Ritchie, that ball. Well, uh, we'll come on to it. Um, but yeah, five goals, two assists in his last six games. Uh, the boy can score goals and also a set piece to Middlesbrough scored a set piece, a well-worked one of that. I know, I know. And it was so funny the way that it came about because Preston fans were kind of taking Preston the fans. mic, wasn't they? Preston. What are Coventry. Keeps... Coventry fans, I'm sorry. Coventry fans were holding the ball, they were giving it the old way, 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 and then all of a sudden we take the corner. It is well worked. It's a good thing that Cameron Arch actually scored because he blocked much shot initially. Which was going in, which was going yeah, in. Yeah, which was, it was goal bound, it was target bound at least. And it counted, it counted, who scored counts that. 
as a set piece goal. So we've now scored a huge 11 goals from set pieces this season, which actually isn't that bad. It's middle of the table, middle of the pack for set uh, set piece goals scored this season in championship teams. But we'll take that. That's like being on top of the world. We never score from Mm. set pieces, but it was, yeah, we'll take it. It counts and we'll take it. Yeah, and it felt like the the, the club were listening to our podcast uh, from last week and maybe a few weeks ago when we were saying short corners are probably the way forward, you know. Um, and <laughs> I w- we will take full responsibility uh, for that. But it, it, it was nice to see us try something a little bit different from the standard whipping the ball in, keep catching it, or not beating the first man, or beating everyone and going out for a, for a goal. And also it was quite funny that we also spoke about uh, corners uh, in the last uh, podcast, and we went up and scored one. Um, so maybe it was a reverse ball curse, but Danny, you are not off the hook just yet. We have another two games against them, and I'm not saying anything more apart from that, because I will move on to Daniel Fisher, because you are going to... I was just, no, I was going to say something about Cameron Archer, actually. I was going to say something about Cameron Archer. He had the least amount of touches of anyone that <laughs> that started that game uh, yesterday and he scored so clinical Cameron Archer he does not need that many shots or that many touches sorry he doesn't even that many he doesn't even need that many shots to be honest he's clinical and he's such a good weapon to have in Boris inventory going into the playoffs so no I wasn't going to mention Malkus but yeah I'll let you transition to what we talk about now yeah, oh, what a feeling, Archer scoring a screamer. Um, anyway, Daniel Fisher, we'll segue onto that because it, he returned uh, after, the, the I think, the, since April 2021, and it was, I think it was the end of the COVID season, the 2-1 home defeat to QPR. He's out of contract in the summer. But it was a, quite a nice moment, wasn't it, yesterday? I think seeing a player who was being out for so long come back on the pitch, and it is so difficult, you know, you know when you've you've been injured for a while, and what two years is, a, is an absolute killer. So um, to have like the mental strength to come back and to get some minutes was really nice. But do you th- what do you think? Do you think it was a a nice sentimental moment? And do you think we'll see much of him in the in the next couple of games? I think it was a, it was a nice sentimental moment. It was a freak injury that he picked up at home, I believe it was. And the fact that he's been out for that long is quite crazy actually when you think of all the things that have happened in that time at the end of the covid season that feels like a lifetime Mm. ago in all honesty so it was a really good touch from carrick do i think he's going to be on the bench for the next game no obviously dyke still was suspended so didn't play a part or wasn't in the matchday squad yesterday so i do think dyke still will take his place he's out of contract in the summer as fisher and i don't think Borough will renew his contract. Sometimes you can see that in football where they give a player a little bit extra time to find fitness and to find a club, but I just don't think that that's going to happen. It was nice to see the the players receive that really nicely because they shared a few Instagram stories, the Borough players of Borough's post about Daniel Fisher coming back and they all seem really happy for him, which just taps into this narrative about the, the team camaraderie. So yeah, it was a really nice touch. They're just a nice bunch of lads. Uh, <laughs> sounds very Tony Pulis thing to say. It that. does. Uh, Go and get your milk, Johnny. Yeah, I'll go to South Wales because it reminds me a lot of Teesside. Um, <laughs> but yeah, in 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 more of a in good news, Joe Brackpom, Golden Boot winner as well. That the first place since John Hickton in the 1970-1971 season. I think if my maths is correct, um, is that fifty two years ago? I am uh, not the one to be asking about maths. 
well, I'll quick maths it, and I think that's 52. Um, so, 1970, 1971 uh, season. I am tired. It's been a long day. Um, mm. But since John Hickton, of all players, uh, so how mad is that, to be honest, uh, to, to see a footballer who was out in the cold. Um, we left him outside and we didn't want to let him into his house. Uh, in, in we the left summer. him with the milk. Left him, left him with the milk. And we just said, you're not coming in. And then we let him in. And now he scores uh, 28 goals this season. And fantastic to see as well. Obviously, we didn't we didn't expect that. But how mad is it? We, we, we've got a, a striker, Denim, who has scored over 28 goals. And... If he scores two more, he's he's hit the magic thirty as well, which is even more insane. Yeah, it's a massive shame that they don't count as league goals; they count as other, which is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, we'll count them as league goals too, but don't worry. But honestly, his story this season—I never get bored of hearing about it or talking about it because he really was not fancied at all and it was a real sliding doors moment, wasn't it? That we had all of this talk about Jorgen Strand Larsen, about Victor Jokeres. We had two strikers at the point in which Tuber Atpon was brought back into the fold for that Marseille game, Corburn and Watmore. And he has taken his opportunity and then some. His name stands above all of the others in the championship. And there's some very good strikers in the championship. You've got Jokeres himself. You've got Nathan Teller of Burnley. You've got Carlton Morris of Luton. They've all had fantastic seasons, but they haven't had as good a season as Tuba Akpom. And he's just such a lovely guy as well. Honestly, hearing him speak just brings a smile on my face. I am so, so overjoyed for him. I really am. I'm absolutely over the moon. I really hope that he can get 30 in all competitions he's only one off it because of the goal that he scored against Brighton in the cup but just looking at his statistics throughout the course of this season bearing in mind he spent a month and a half out injured after scoring twice against Sheffield United in August he's got an XG of 21.9 he's overperforming that by six goals which is always good to see because last season we had Andrew Sparrar, who was very much underperforming. He was one of the most underperforming strikers in the championship yes, um, last season, Andrew Sparrar, along with Corley Woodrow, then of obviously Barnsley. <laughs> He's in the top 4% for goals per 90. He's in the top 2% for goals per shot. Cameron Archer, by the way, ranks first for goals per shot, 0.3. Akpom and Aaron Ramsey are on 0.26. They're third. Yeah, they're joint third. He's in the top, top 6% for XG per 90. So he's finding himself in good goal scoring positions. And get this, his longest goal scoring drought under Michael Carrick, he's currently enduring it actually two games. Get two rid of him. games. Get rid of him. Yeah, he's <laughs> But two games and that's it. He has just, he's cranked up his footballing quality to another level and it's the most satisfying and, and wholesome thing to see a player that's much maligned that has constantly been prodded out in terms of oh they've never fulfilled their potential to finally see them fulfill that potential and I swear I have dragged my eyes through shit watching some of the strikers <laughs> that have played for Borough over my 14 years watching this football club I am so happy that we've got Tuba that we've got Archer we've got Force it's just incredible. So well done, Chubra. I absolutely love you to bits. And I'll stop well, there you go. Now. Con- <laughs> congratulations, Chuba. You've you have won the the round You've of applause. You've made my life. You've made my life. 
puasa dalam live tu. Stress over it. I'm trying. I'm gonna I'm cry joking. now. I'm joking. I'm joking. But it is a fantastic <laughs> achievement. And to be fair, Cameron Archer as well is his records mm. just even better. Eleven um, more since January. That's crazy. Imagine if he was here for the full season. That would have been mm. absolutely insane. But he can still play a pivotal role in the next few games. And obviously now the playoffs in are upon us. And Millwall dropped out when there were three one up. Duncan Watmore got two as well, I believe, um, which was just madness. And I've seen a couple of videos of Millwall fans celebrating, saying, "Ah, we can't bottle it now." And they did, which was quite funny. Um, and then Sunderland somehow wormed the way in with some absolute worldies. And I know. Uh, we don't really want to watch uh, Sunderland highlights, but Diallo's goal is an absolute screamer. Um, but yeah, they they somehow got there, which is a bit annoying. And there was so many positions changing in a playoff bonanza. Um, but it finishes, Dana, Luton third, uh, Borat fourth, Coventry fifth, and Sunderland sixth. Uh, are you happy with how it's ended up, really? Would, would, you, would you have took that at the start of the season? Well, no, because Sunderland are in the top six. <laughs> But I'm happy that we're facing Coventry because, firstly, I think it's going to be a good game. I feel a little bit bad that I didn't... I remember when we spoke about the playoff picture a few podcasts ago, I remember saying, and we haven't even spoke about Coventry because they weren't really in my thinking, I'm not going to lie. So that was really bad on my part. They are a really good team. I don't really want to purr so much about a potential... Well, our direct opponents in the next two games but they're a very very well drilled team and I think it's going to be a good matchup between two good footballing sides but yeah I was not happy that Sunderland got into the top six I can't lie especially after telling my friend Grundy that they will not get there he (laughs) made sure that I knew about that but yeah there was a bit of a nervous energy at the Riverside yesterday not just from the Coventry fans yeah Coventry I don't know why I keep mixing Coventry and Preston I have to really think about that but it wasn't just from them I think it was from Borough fans as well certainly around me everyone was trying to get signal on their phone which is just not going to happen at the Riverside and they were checking the current state of play at one point it was like yeah Millwall cool whatever we'll play them and then I just so wished that Sunderland wouldn't get in there but they have and they could be dark horses in this race they're in really good form they've got a good team can't lie hit the fact that I'm saying it they haven't really missed Ross Stewart so you never know. The playoffs is just going to be so interesting. But happy that we're playing Coventry. Let's uh, let's bring it on. That's, yeah. That was very Ted Lasso. Yeah, believe. Um, and it's going to be interesting. Let's bring it on. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Never said that Come in my on, life. <laughs> Come on, Laura. Yeah. Oh, um, but yeah, I, I can see us doing quite well in the playoffs, the semis, hopefully, fingers crossed. I think it'll be a completely different game than what we've seen uh, at the start of the season. We obviously Wilder's last game and then the game uh, on Monday. There'll be two different games. It's going to be tense. I'm very interested to see how we how we do um, on, on Sunday. It's Sunday, yeah. It's Sunday. I keep. Is, yeah. I'm, I'm, I feel like the the bank holiday has completely ruined my days. Uh, I have no idea <laughs> where I'm at, um, and yeah, I think we'll do well. I think it's going to be a completely different game, but also I think it's going to be a game where if we can get out of that first twenty minute spell 
and then starting to play how we how we know to play, trying to create those false transitions, getting into good areas and creating chances like we have done for the majority of the season. I think we can get a really good result there. But it's going to be difficult. I think they're a really good size, Coventry. And it's, Mark Robbins has been on my radar, really, and Coventry have been for a number of seasons. I think you have to date back a few probably season preview podcasts where I'm, I'm just praising Coventry a lot. And mm-hmm. I, think I, I think they nearly got... Yeah, and they had quite a quiet season, and then they've just kept going and building and building. And to be fair, Robin's like he's got a shoestring budget. Like I think the only I think the last time they paid fee I think was was for Yokerez. I think it was about a million pounds or something silly like that. A million Either pound. or him, right? Yeah, I think him came after Yokerez. So yeah, I might be so, wrong that, but sure. Yeah, there's that. They've played away from the stadium for the last couple of seasons. They're in a good moment right now, and, and fair play to them. I think I think it's a wonderful mm. uh, opportunity for them. But I just hope we beat them uh, over <laughs> 180 minutes, and then go to Wembley, which I would hope uh, we get beat, get revenge of the uh, uh, avenge. Get, sorry, the uh, get, get revenge. We get revenge and avenge uh, the. Um, the Wembley curse. But in terms of injuries, Dan Carrick said that none of the uh, Boris injury players are particularly close to returning mind games. Or do you think he is just telling us how it is? I have no idea. Although I'd like to hope that they're all just available because people have asked us to answer the question of which one do you want back the most? I can't answer that because I want them all back. I'm greedy and I want them all back because it is such a squad game. And I know it's very cliche, but Carrick has drilled that message out in the press throughout his entire entire time at the helm so far. And no one player is more important than another, in my opinion. So I'd like to hope that they're back. But even if a couple of them come back, I'd be quietly happy about that but yeah it's it's not great is it to lose those players at the point in which we did Ramsey mm. and Fry and I know McGree's back but losing McGree at that point as well and whoever else is injured <laughs> I've lost track or oh, Foss Marcus Foss as well he's really important because he's had how playoff experience you, yeah how can you forget my finished delight you know. I know he's supremely underrated as well, Marcus Foss. I don't really hear a lot of praise about him, but he's such a good player. <laughs> he's such a good player on that right hand side, and as I said, he's got playoff experience. I don't know how much weight that holds, but I do feel like it might be important just for that experience of knowing that type of occasion. So fingers crossed, it is just a massive smoke screen, and Carrick is playing those mind games. But I, yeah, I don't feel like he is. Yeah. I think if there was one player for me that I would like Marcus Foss because I just love him. Um, <laughs> I think he's a superstar. Um, but in terms of moving on, Dan, let's go on to questions then because each week you get the chance to send us your questions and it's via Twitter at Bora underscore Breakdown. Uh, you can email us at theboraBreakdown or hotmail.com or you can join our free Telegram chat with over 320 Bora fans in there. Chatting sometimes about Boris, sometimes chatting about other things. Maybe Wobbly Goblin, maybe Chips and Curry. You get the chance to speak about all things Bora. Um, it's all fun and games. Um, but the first question, um, and it's from Tom Parker Bradley, and he says, though we can argue uh, we are not playing at 100% because we haven't needed to, are you worried we may be dropping off and won't be our best in the playoffs? Dana, what do you think? I don't think we need to be at our best. We just need to be good enough to get through the playoffs and I'm not 
I'm not concerned. I do think Borough will turn it on in the playoffs because they have to. And I you do. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we we, we so. quite simply have to. It, if we don't and if we play how... Well, I will say, over the past few games, we have come undone because of external factors, i.e. Mm. the referees. And Carrick said something in his pre-commentary press conference that I just really want to play because I think it's important regarding momentum. I think any game you want to play, you want to play well. First and foremost, you want to play well and win. Um, the, there's a time when winning is a little bit more important than the performance. And I think over time, um, you know, we've we've had a good level of performance over the last couple of weeks in some ways, the level of performance and... Um, the standard of play and the energy levels is, is once we knew we were in the playoffs was 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 vital that we kept that. Um, the results haven't been exactly what we wanted. Of course, they haven't. But um, you know, there's a couple of decisions have been key in that as well. But ultimately, that won't tell us the story at the end. You know, it's it, that's why the performance levels and training and in the games, which we've been pretty pleased about will give us the confidence knowing what, what we're capable of and um, boys can't forget that of, of what they're capable of and, and they've shown that anyway generally in the performances so um, I think we're, we're just excited and looking forward to, to what's ahead So he said that momentum in performances is sometimes more important than result momentum and he's so right in saying that because I think although we haven't been at full quality capacity in recent weeks because remember we haven't had to be we've known our playoff it for a while in my opinion we've shown more good than bad if Borough were playing terribly really 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 badly and not getting results I'd be far more worried but I just feel like we will be much better in the playoffs and we'll be we might not be at our best, but as I said, we we don't need to be. We just need to be a little bit better. I do think that we've dropped below our standards, I will say, but I'll also say I don't think we've been terrible. So I'm not worried. I think maybe that's naive for me, but I believe and I have full confidence in this team that they will turn it on against Coventry. Yeah, and I think with people getting worried, it's, I think the look at points and the go. I think because you can measure points, you know, you can kind of say, oh, well, we're not we're not a good side or we're, we're out of form or whatever. But and also performances in terms of are quite hard to measure. I appreciate you've got underlying metrics, which you'll look at and some of that, but obviously the eye test and those combination of things, we've been relatively quite good and strong. And obviously the refereeing decisions in the Luton game probably win 1-0 really if there's VAR. You know, you've got the... The Rotherham game, is it a red card? Probably not. Probably gets overturned. I think Borgo and win that game. Um, if you're in the Premier League, obviously it, these have happened now, but it's theoretical. Mm-hmm. And then yesterday um, against Coventry, one mistake, you get punished, which is a bit of a rarity in the Championship. Let's be honest, you get punished, um, and we we still brought it back. We still created chances. We we came on the second half and shown what we can do, and we start to be a bit more on it and start to press forward. And I think we can be quite good. I think there's there's going to be some. Re- if you can't get sorry, if you can't get excited for these games and you can't play at your top level, then you shouldn't be playing football really. And I feel like we will be. And I feel like I think we'll be excited. I think we're right raring to go, and I'm hoping we we put in a really good performance uh, in, in the first leg and, and the second as well, and then hopefully go Wembley way. Great. And then the next question is from Tom Muldown. He says, "Who would you start a right back in the playoffs?" 
Smith, I'm assuming Dyke Steele or Fisher or Johnny Housen or I'm trying to think of other people we could put there. Um, Matt Crooks. Matt Crooks, he can play there. I think probably Zach Steffen could play right back, to be honest. Yeah, probably, yeah. Um, so who would you start? Who, who would you like to start at right back? I would probably say Smith. I don't think he's done enough wrong to be replaced in that side. I know in the past two games, Rotherham and then against Coventry, he gave the ball away that led to the goal. I think it's worth mentioning and really important to note that he wasn't the sole reason why that those two goals happened. So I think Smith... I know that Dykesill has the recovery pace and he might be a little bit better one-on-one, in my opinion, defensively. But Smith stays there for me. He's earned his place. It's a shame that Dykesill got sent off when he really shouldn't have been against Rotherham because that was a really tough time for him because Smith was injured, of course, and Dykesill came in to replace Smith. And now it's gone back Mm. to Smith being in the team with Dykesill not you would you would assume but I would probably go with Smith plus I think Smith's crossing ability is better than Dyke Steele's when you have Dyke Steele in the team offensively he's probably a better foil for Jones them two can link up together really well but if you want that extra dimension of somebody on that right hand side that can whip a decent ball in I think Smith he put in a good one yesterday but nobody attacked it he's put a good one in against Preston and Chubrat Pom scored from it I think I'm right in remembering that. So I feel like his crossing ability is better and he is still a good defender and he's experienced as well. And I think that's important too. Yeah. I I, I do prefer Dyke Steel, but I feel like it's yeah, same. I, I, I agree with you on, on the on the Smith uh argument. For me, like Dyke Steel, and I probably need to have a look at the underlying metrics on it, but I feel like he's more of a progressive right back and is more willing to run forward with the ball and will create like an overlap. In action, um, whereas Smith's a bit more steady and we like to cross it a little bit more. So you get it, it's pros and cons, right? It depends what we want to bring in the game. I think you've got good replacements uh, in Smith and in Dyke Steel. It's I think it's entirely up to carry on what he wants to do, but I probably prefer Dyke Steel. Uh, but I feel like I'm a bit of a nightmare on Dyke Steel anyway because I've been <laughs> absolutely in love with him over like the last couple of years. Um, but you know he's he's great. Um, Last question, uh, D, from, it's from Sean. He says, if yesterday's squad is what we have available for the playoff matches, would uh, would you still have us favourites to go up against the other hopefuls? And that comes from the, uh, the bookies saying that Mills are uh, favourites to go up uh, from the playoffs this season. It is very tight, though, in terms of the odds, mm-hmm. but Mills, but just, just edge it. Um, so would you say that we are the favourites still with the squad available? I actually disagree. I think Luton are the favourites. They're the third place team. They're in better form than us. So I think they should be favourites, really. And something that you mentioned on, I think it was the last podcast, Luton can't really play off this underdog mentality anymore because they're not. So that's going to be really interesting because I feel like that's propelled them, along with good football and good working behind the scenes, of course. That's propelled them, or one of the factors that's propelled them to where they are now because they can really hone in on that. And when you have that confidence of everyone on the outside is saying you're going to fall off and that you're not worthy of being where you are, you know, the whole team's like looting narrative. (laughs) People can, or like when you're inside a club, I guess, I would assume that you can really work off that you know, you hear so many stories in Amazon documentaries and mm. media like that where 
managers will pin things on the the wall in the dressing room and use that as a as a way to galvanize the team so anyway bit of a tangent I still think that Borough are a good team even despite the injuries and we've got really good squad depth and quality in the squad depth that when a when a Alex Moore and Adam Barlas have come into the team. They've played well. So I'd be confident, even with the injuries that we have unfortunately picked up, that we can certainly give a better account of ourselves than the last time that we were in the playoffs, for Christ's sake. But that we can also just be good anyway. Uh, I wouldn't be too knocked that we've got injuries, although it's really unfortunate. Yeah, and it's the the Sky Sports narratives there already, isn't it? Like the lost attendances in, in Luton with a small stadium against the biggest stadium in the championship in Sunderland. Uh, it's obviously they're going to say that narrative, and I think it's a, a bit of gaslighting, really. But it's uh, yeah, like Luton are favourites, really. Like they they should they should be favourites where they finished. You know, they've got a good squad, good players, and especially in Carl Morris, who we we both really enjoy watching. Apart from his. This Tom Daly type dive. Um, yeah. But we'll, I'm past that now. Uh, but look, their favourites, like, I think if you see any of that on, like, social, like, Luton, you guys are, you guys, you know, no excuses, really. You finish third, so third mm. best team goes up, right? Um, so, <laughs> so, but yeah, we'll, it'd be interesting to see that. Like, I think there's no pressure on Borough at all. I think naturally at media darlings, Millsborough, because of Michael Carrick, and it's going to be natural, you know. Whenever a former player who's established as Carrick becomes a manager, they're obviously going to get that sort of affection. Happens all the time. Frank Lampard's Derby, where mm-hmm. Wayne Rooney's Derby, um, Michael Carrick's Middlesbrough. I mean, it, it, it always happens, you know. Uh, Stephen Gerrard's Rangers, you know. It's, it's, it's all, it's all, it's all swings around us. But yeah, I don't think we're favourites. I think Luton are favourites, and be interested to see how they they handle the pressure. In, in the coming games. Um, but let's move on to the praise and place, Dana, because uh, the praise and place is the place where to give praise to a player, coach and staff, uh, a chip van that serves chips and curry, which wasn't there uh, in mm. the last game, which was a bit of disappointment. Um, <sighs> but they're not in the praise and place this week. No. Um, <laughs> but who's in the praise and place for you, Dana? <laughs> I'm going to mention two, probably three players. Firstly is who gets my three stars, would be Daryl Lenahan. I thought he marshaled Victor Jokerez incredibly well in that game and statistically won three of his four tackles, six clearances, two interceptions, seven recoveries. He just looked really good, did Lenahan it. Up against a really good striker in Jokerez one-on-one. Both he and Paddy McNair, I think, did really well together. So I actually want to put our centre-back partnership in there. Paddy McNair, not as good as Lenahan, but still I think he's worthy of, uh, of praise. And then I want to mention Zach Steffen as well, because that save that I mentioned at the top of the pod was a really, really good one. It was a ferocious shot from Gus Harmer. So I think Zach Steffen, and he played sweeper-keeper as well when Jokerez looked like he was bearing down on goal. He might just nick there ahead of Zach Steffen. You know, he, he he slid on his little bum mm. and got it. And it was just a really solid performance from Zach Steffen, who seems to be earning a lot more praise and his critics have definitely quietened down a little bit. So, yeah, three in the praise and place there for me. Wait, wait who? Zach Steffen? Stefan, Paddy McNair. Oh, sorry, I missed the the Paddy McNair comment. I do apologise. Um, I was like, is that, I was like, is that two people? Um, but yeah, I, I would all. I would. I'm not. I was. I was intently listening as well, and I was like, 
<laughs> I still missed it. Um, anyway, mine is Daryl Lenahan. I think he was tremendous yesterday, and he's been tremendous for the majority of the season. Um, probably, arguably, the signing of the year. Really, I think uh, you can you make a really good argument for it. Really solid, really good leadership qualities, and we've got a really good player in Daryl Lenahan. And it was a good bit of business from Borough as well, and you can kind of see why uh, the former manager. And Chris Wilder really wanted him because um, he brings so many different traits and credit to him uh, being fantastic again and a future Borough captain in my eyes. Um, but Dana, thank you very much uh, for joining me as always. And to listeners and the viewers, thank you very much for listening and watching us and help us share and grow this podcast by giving it a five-star rating on, on your podcast provider. Subscribe to the channel, uh, share the video, like it, share it with your friends, do all that kind of fun stuff um, because this podcast is continuing to grow and it's all because of you guys that are listening. So thank you very much uh, for that. But for right now, uh, we've got, actually not for right now because we have a playoff preview uh, coming up this week, which is very exciting. So do get tuned in for that. But for right now, uh, there's nothing to separate Borough and Coventry, but something's got to give on the road to Wembley. Let the playoffs commence. This is the Borough Breakdown podcast. And that was our Borough Master Day chatter in a pod. Up the Borough Breakdown.